Good morning, Life Point Church. I tell you, God is good. If you're excited to be in the house of the Lord, say yes. Yes. Woo, I love it already. Man, yes, let's get the juices flowing. Hey, it's so good to be with you today. Now, you're looking at me. I see some of you out there going, who is this guy? Well, my name is Mike Campbell, and I do missions here at Life Point Church, and so you don't see me a lot because I'm gone a lot of places. But we're touching the world for Jesus. Can you say amen? And wherever we go, you go with us. Hallelujah. And uh, even though you're not physically with us, you're with us. And uh, so uh, I just want you to know that it's an honor to be here. And I want to say welcome to Life Point this morning. Welcome to our online audience. We're glad you're with us. And also welcome to everyone at Austin P. Come on, let's give them all a good hand. Can we do that? And Pastor Jordan and, and Aaron, they're doing a great job over at Austin P. So we're excited about what God is doing there. And uh, hey, uh, let me just say this. Uh, this is your first time to be with us. We want to give you a huge shout out. A big hello to everybody uh, that's here for the first time. Don't forget to stop by our big red wall. You can find out more about us. I love the big red wall, but I like to talk anyway. So uh, go to the big red wall and, uh, and uh, so we can get to know you and we're, we're glad you're here. Hey, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. I'm one of them. And I tell you, God is good. I have three sons, Jacob, Joel, Will. Uh, Jacob's in Fargo, married two kids in North Dakota where it's extremely cold in the wintertime. It's funny, he got his PhD at uh, Arizona State where he was in the oven and then he moved to Fargo, he went to the freezer. And so I never forget that first year he was up there, he called my wife and I said, Dad, it's minus 71 with the wind chill factor. I said, man, what are you gonna do? He said, I'm staying inside. <laughs> I said, man, I don't blame you. But uh, anyway, that's cold. My other son, Joel, he lives in Cookville and uh, he's a Red Bull, uh, he works with Red Bull and uh, he has a daughter, Miss Kylie. And then my youngest son, Will, recently married and his wife, they are down in Orange Beach, Florida, suffering for Jesus. And uh, <laughs> come on, y'all know what I mean, right? And then, uh, but uh, she's going to chiropractic school and so, uh, we're excited for them, so uh, I, I just, I'm believing God for them to call in today, and, uh, but uh, then I also have sent out to wish them a happy Father's Day because two of them have children. So to all you dads, let me tell you something that, uh, that Billy Graham once said. This is very important. It said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And I want you to know that, yeah, come on, give all these dads a great hand. There's nothing better than a dad, a father who's leading his children and leading his wife into the presence of God. And so well, we salute all of you fathers. We hope you have a great day and, uh, and just know that God is for you. I don't care what the media says or what the world says, God is for you. I wanna say thank you to everybody for being a generous church. Woo, I am amazed. I was in All Good for 29 years, and uh, God blessed us over there. Uh, our church grew, and uh, we did a lot of building projects. We went from 1977, was no, I mean, not, uh, not 1977, but 1997, till we left in 2019. We built several buildings, and we never had any debt. And, uh, but it's because of the generosity of people. And I come over here, and uh, Pastor Mike asked me to come, and I'm excited to serve, but you are a generous church. And I wanna say thank you. You know, because of your generosity, we're making a difference in the lives of people right here 
in Clarksville, right here in Montgomery County. We're making a difference in the lives of people in the state of Tennessee, in the United States through missions, and then around the world through our international missions. Your giving is going and it's planting seed in people's hearts so they can hear about the goodness of God. And I want to say thank you so much. We believe in the principle of tithing and you are, you are doing it, all right? You're bringing the, the tithe into the storehouse so that there's food upon his table. And listen, God's bringing a blessing upon your life for doing it. And I want to say thank you so very, very much. We've got our Serve Day project coming up and that's part of your giving. You'll be helping us to empower people to go out, serve people locally on July 16th. And then we also have some mission trips. Listen, I'm the missions man. Come and join me, all right? Come and join me out on the field. It's awesome out there. I see my friend Eric over here. He's Chi Alpha missionary, and he's going, man, he's, he's made me a little bit jealous. He's going to Qatar during the World Cup to share Jesus with all the world that's coming to Qatar. I'm excited about that, man. Go Jesus, glory to God. But you can come go with us, all right? So we got a lot of trips, and uh, we hope you'll join us. We're going to build this summer in Jamaica, in the Bahamas, and in Puerto Rico. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking beach ministry. But I'm telling you, we're going to build some buildings in these places, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So come and join us. We also have uh, humanitarian trips to East Tennessee, the Smoky Mountain Dream Center, and into San Francisco. And then uh, our young adults are going to Sweden. We've got a South Africa trip over in the... We've got some other things coming on. We're looking at something in the Dominican. I want you to know something right now. God's opening doors and we can step through and be a blessing. Can you say amen? And that's because of your giving. And I just want to say thank you so very, very much. God is good. Everybody say God is good. Do you believe that today? I'm telling you, if you don't believe it, you got to get it down in your heart. Now, let's go to Acts 16. I'm finishing up the Acts series. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Oh, I got to turn this thing on, don't I? You know, things work better when you do the on switch. Have y'all ever noticed that? It's amazing what can happen. And the other thing is if you have batteries. I don't know what it is about batteries, but I don't know. Uh, for all you parents, you know, the, the TV remotes and all that stuff, uh, our batteries when we were growing up used to be gone. And I'd be like, why ain't this thing working? I'd get so mad, like, come on, work in Jesus' name. And then uh, I'd check in the battery. My boys would still put them in their video game headsets and stuff, so uh, that's how that thing worked. But today we're going to talk about praise releases faith in Acts 16, beginning in verse number 25. I want you to know something right now. Listen, the life of praise is everything. You see the clips in the opening of the video when Pastor Mike is talking about put on the garment of praise. You've got to praise. You've got to praise your, listen, you need to praise at all times. It's so important that we do that. And so Praise releases faith. It should be a lifestyle, not a final option for deliverance. That's how most of us treat it. We treat it as a final option. But I want you to know something. God shouldn't be your last choice. He needs to be your first choice. All right? So if we pick God first, we'll be doing good. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Mike did a great job uh, and challenged us to stand strong no matter what. We'll all have circumstances in our life that are going to be difficult. How many of y'all have ever had difficult circumstances in your life? Hold your hand up. Yeah, we'll look around, we'll see us all. We're all in that boat. We'll all have circumstances that are gonna be difficult and it happens to the just and the unjust. I know that uh, sometimes that's hard for people, but it rains on the just and the unjust, so bad things are gonna happen in our life. But listen to me, here's the difference between us and the world. The world 
the world is singing gloom, despair, and agony on me while we're praising God and seeing the victory. Can you say amen? Hey, here's what the world does. Watch this video. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. I'm telling you right now, that's how most of us are when things don't go our way. We're always saying, God, why is this happening to me? Listen, we need to learn how to praise our way to victory. We need to learn how to use our mouth to set ourselves free and to begin to talk about how big our God is and how small our problem is. You know, when you focus on God, God from God's perspective, our problem is very small. Can you say amen? And the Bible says Jesus has overcome the world. That means everything in the world, hallelujah. And so, listen, I, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I get up every day, I have to put my britches on one leg at a time. I have problems just like everybody else. I always had guys that would say, Pastor, you know, you just make it sound like, you know, everything goes good in your life. I said, no, I just choose not to focus on the negative. You have a choice in life. You gonna see the glass half full or half empty? It's up to you. Can you say amen? And we've been empowered by God. And so we, we have enough, all of us have enough on the inside. We have all heard enough of the word of God. Sitting right here under Pastor Mike Burnett, you have heard enough of the word of God to put you over in everything that goes on in your life. The problem is we are hearers and not doers. Well, we're gonna talk about two guys today who are doers. Notice what it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Notice, it was at midnight. Midnight represents the darkest hour of, of the day, but it also represents a dark hour in your life. There are gonna be times when things are gonna happen that you have no control over, but I want you to know God is still with you, and God is still in you, and God will still flow through you. I'm telling you, our God has no quit. He has no quit. It's an amazing thing. Let me see if I can. I was talking with a gentleman out in the, in the foyer, and he shared this with me about, this was on TV this morning. Let's see. I don't know that I put him in here. Yeah, there he is right there. Listen to this. This was very interesting. Faith in the United States. Belief in God has now reached a new low. It's what they're saying. Listen to this. 40% of Americans believe God hears prayers and can intervene on people's behalf. 40%. What? There's more than 40% of us that claim to be Christian. Now listen to this. 11% think God does neither. He doesn't hear, nor does he intervene. And then 17% say God can't intervene. And then listen to this. Here's the sad part. 28% of our population now says they don't even believe in God. And we wonder why other countries are sending missionaries to the United States. It's because we've become a rich mission field. I want you to know something right now. God can and will intervene. The Bible says it over in 1 Peter 3 and verse 12. He says that he hears his ears are inclined unto the righteous. He hears their cry and delivers them out of their trouble. You know what our problem is? We're so used to having instant everything. Add water and stir. Listen, you don't add water to God and stir. That's not how God works. Can you say amen? 
God doesn't work like that. But notice how he does work. At midnight, in the darkest hour of their life, they're thrown into jail because they were, they were casting the devil out of a woman. They were just sharing Jesus with people. They get beat, thrown into jail. And what are they doing at the dark hour? Praying and singing praise unto God. Isn't that an amazing thing? Listen to this in Colossians 3 and verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Write that verse down. Go home and look at it. Study it. Let it dwell in you richly because when it dwells in you richly, as your life gets squeezed, the word will come out. That's how we're supposed to be made. When you get squeezed, if the word's not coming out, I guarantee you, it's gonna be gloom, despair, and agony on me. Come on, are y'all with me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been in that boat. I've been there, but I'm not in that boat anymore. And listen to what else he says right here. Let it dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom with all gratitude in your hearts. Listen, in your hearts, sing praise hymns and spiritual songs to God. That is exactly what Paul and Silas are doing. The word is richly indwelling them and as they're in this jail at this midnight hour, they begin to pray and praise God and all of the, uh, of the uh, prisoners are listening to them. I love that statement. That word listen, it comes from a Greek word. It means a, it's a strong word implying that prisoners were listening intently. In other words, their focus was Paul and Silas. It wasn't the stocks and bonds they were in. It wasn't the problem they were in. They were wanting to see what was gonna happen with these two guys. I guarantee you they knew a little something about who they were and now they're waiting to see how they react and because they're reacting like they are, they've got the attention of all these prisoners. Man, I'm gonna tell you something right now. Listen, you go to a coffee shop, hear all the whining and complaining, get out of that coffee shop quick. You'll join right in there with them. Can you say amen? See, it represents this dark time. But look at this, Psalm 34, verse one. I will bless the Lord. When? At all times. Everybody say at all times. It didn't say I'll bless him on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It didn't say I'll bless him between two and five. It said I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless him on the good day. I'll bless him on the bad day. I'll bless him on everything in between. Why? Because he's my redeemer, my deliverer. He's my standby, my comforter. I'm telling you right now, he's everything we need. Oh. Now listen, I get a little loud, please. I'm not trying to yell, I just get excited. I get excited because I've been born again. Man, I was an alcoholic and now listen, God has made me free. I want you to know something right now. You never forget the pit you've been dug from. Mm. We just tell them like it is. They told me, I'll never forget that doctor told me. He said, son, you have destroyed your liver. I almost drowned the night before and they had taken me to the infirmary. I was attending the University of Mississippi. He said, son, you've destroyed your liver. You need to get your house in order. You're not gonna live more than a year. I want you to know something. That was in 1977. This is 2022 and God is good. See, this is what God wants to do for us. But we gotta get to the place where we're gonna, we're gonna, listen, bless him at all times. His praise shall what? Continually. Everybody say continually. continually. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The word continually comes from a Hebrew word, tamid, which means always, continually, regularly. It signifies what is to be done regularly or consistently without interruption. That changes the perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Say, well, pastor, you don't know how bad it is. You know, 
I, I try and, well, listen to me. When you catch yourself in the mully grubs, everybody know what I mean? Catch yourself down and out, listen, and you start letting that out of your mouth and you, re you realize what you're doing, just stop. Say, oh, Father, I'm sorry. And just begin to change that conversation and begin to say, Lord, you're so big. You're so good to me. You've been faithful to me. See, that's what David did when he was out tending his father's sheep. David was on the backside being trained to be the king. He had already been anointed. I want you to know, your anointing will always come before your appointing. But David was on the backside of the desert. He was training. What was he doing? He was protecting his father's sheep. Remember when he took food down to his brothers? They said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be taking care of the sheep. And, and David is listening to what's going on. And as soon as he found out that this uncircumcised Philistine was challenging the army of the Lord, David steps up and Saul has him called into his presence. And David said, let me tell you, when there was a, a bear that came, I killed the bear. When there was a lion, I killed the lion. And this uncircumcised Philistine, I'll take him too. Why? Because he's magnifying the bigness of his God. Then when he walks out there, that Philistine says, who are you? Who are you, you little pipsqueak? David said, I'll show you who I am in Jesus. Bow! All right. I'm going to try to maintain my dignity. But you see, when you start having this, when you are contently doing this, you know what you're doing? You're releasing faith. Why? Because the word's down on the inside. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you're releasing faith out of your mouth. And that, that invites God to show up. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that pleases him must, must do two things. Number one, he must believe that God is. And number two, he's got to believe that God's a rewarder. What's the reward for Paul and Silas when they get this? The reward is that they get set free. Now, wait a minute. Well, I'll come back to that. I'll let that go. But they get set free. That's the reward for us. When you heard Jesus and, and you decided, hey, I need to get born again, what was the reward? Eternal life. The Spirit of God living on the inside. But now you develop that. You begin to, you begin to grow that. As you get into the prayer closet, and you begin to move forward. Can you say amen? And so Paul and Silas were praying at midnight and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. That's so very important. And while they're listening to them, faith is being released in the atmosphere of their cell and in the atmosphere of the jail. And now let's pick up my first point today, which is this. I have four quick points, all right? Yeah, I got time to get four in. Four quick points, all right? And if I run out of time, well, tough. Here we go, first point. Faith released God. See, your praise is a form, your praise and prayer are a form of faith because you're releasing God. You're speaking about God. You're speaking to God about your situation and reminding him how big he is and reminding him of his promises. That's why Isaiah said, come. Listen to what he said. He said, come, let us plead together. Oh, isn't that amazing? God wants to plead with you. Woo. That's why we have the Holy Spirit down on the inside. He knows the will of God. And God wants to plead with us. He said, come, let us plead together. Put me, that's God, in remembrance. Now, now wait a minute. Why do we have to remind God? Has God forgotten? Has he got Alzheimer's disease? No. But he wants to make sure you know. See, the promise has to be in you. Well, it's like those men, those seven sons of Sceva, they went down to cast the devil out of somebody. They said, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. See, they didn't have no relationship. 
And they said, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the devils laughed at him, beat him up, stripped him naked, and run him out of town. Why? Because that promise was not in them. Are y'all following me? It's got to be in you. It can't be something you remember Pastor Mike saying. It can't be something you remember uh, John Hagee. You know, it's got to be something that's become real to you. It's got to be gin and down on the inside. That's why we become doers of the word we receive. It lodges and it generates. Can you say amen? amen? And so the Bible says right here, it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Everybody say suddenly. suddenly. That's the signature of God. All of a sudden, boom, he's there. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's here this morning. The Bible says that we're two or more gathered in my name. So if we have any believers in the house, raise your hand. Oh, look at that. So God's here. Now listen, if God's here, we don't need to come in one way without leaving changed by God going out another way. Because he's here. Everybody say he's here. And he said he inhabits the praises of his people. Woo, come on now. See, we've got this misconception in America that praise and worship happens on Sunday while we're singing. I want you to know something right now. When Paul and Silas were in the jail, there was no band. No band. Mm-mm. No drum beat. No piano. Nobody on the keys. Debbie was on the keys this morning. No keys. Are y'all with me? See, this is why the Bible says that you're to make a joyful noise to the Lord. We gotta quit thinking about what our neighbors think about us singing. Man, I don't sing well, but I like to sing. I mean, how many of y'all, all right, look, look, moment of truth. How many of y'all think you sound good singing in the shower? Come on, there we go. We got some brave souls out there. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I'm telling you, I'm an opera singer in the shower. Yeah. I get outside, a guy told me one time, he said, Pastor Mike, you've got a really good voice when it comes to singing. The problem is that you tear it up when you take it out. So, uh, how many of y'all believe that was not encouraging? But God shows up suddenly. Suddenly he happens. He comes on the scene. This is not the only place where God suddenly showed up. In Acts chapter two, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. The first four verses. Suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. suddenly. Acts chapter 9. Suddenly. Suddenly there was a light shining around Paul. Luke chapter 2. And suddenly there was a host of angels praising God when Jesus was born. Because God shows up. And he shows out. Can you say amen? That's what's important. Look at this. This word suddenly means immediately, quick, and unexpectedly. That's how our God shows up. Now watch. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Everybody say open. And everyone's bonds were what? Unfastened. Where's the key word? Everyone. I'm gonna let that soak in for a minute. Everyone. Everyone. Because how you react to something determines how others will receive Jesus. And when you get delivered, your deliverance will set free other people. 
It'll set free other people. It's so important that we get that, all right? Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, God would pass over a million people in unbelief to find one person in faith. Paul and Silas were in faith, and because of their faith in God, now the whole prison is getting set free because these men are intently listening. They're hinging on everything that they're singing and praying because the Bible says, and they were listening to them. And so now they're gonna get the benefit of two men who love God, who believe that God's able to deliver, and they're gonna receive the benefit of deliverance because of these two men. It's an amazing thing what God can do when we will do what God needs us to do. Listen to this in Psalm 18. Get over here. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Notice that. In verse six, in my disaster, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. See, that doesn't sound like a deaf God. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked. So God not only showed up, but he shook the foundation of that place, which he did in several other instances when he showed up. I want you to know the trees of the field clapped their hands before God. God will show up where faith is exhibited. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says that she had been 12 years and she had gone to every physician she could go to, spent all that she had, but rather grew worse. Mark chapter five, beginning in verse 25. But listen to me. The Bible says that when she heard of Jesus, everybody say she heard. See, what you're hearing is important because you're hearing the word of God. It will bring about your deliverance. That's what's happening to these men in the jail. And the Bible says that when she had heard of Jesus, she said within herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So she begins a trek, she hears Jesus is passing by and she enters the city of which she's not allowed to be in because she has a, an issue of blood. But she presses through the crowd. Can you imagine how many times she was kicked and stepped on? Because the Bible says that the crowd was thronging Jesus or literally trying to press in and they were touching Jesus. But I want you to know with every touch they made, nothing happened until one woman who had heard of Jesus had faith because faith comes by hearing touched the hem of his garment, and immediately power went out. Remember what I said? You pass over a million people in unbelief to find one in belief? She had faith. Bam. She's made whole. Jesus stops the whole crowd and says, who touched me? And his disciples are like, are you kidding me? All these people are touching you, man. Come on. And he looked at the woman. She said, it was me. And he said to her, woman, your faith has made you whole. Come on, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but this is getting me excited. Because when God shows up, things happen. And I got one better than that. Everywhere you go, God goes with you. See, our problem is we forget we carry the presence of God with us. He's on the inside. All right, number two. Y'all ready? You got it? Number one, that praise and prayer, uh, it, faith, it caused faith to come and faith released God. Number two, faith released broken chains. Woo! 
That represents all the bondage that's going on in people's lives. God wants to break that off of you. In fact, according to the word of God, Jesus has already done it. It's just some of us haven't accepted it. And then, all right, now I'm gonna meddle a little bit. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Some of us, some of us haven't gotten to the place where we want God to break off what we're doing in our life. Mmm. Is it possible to have Jesus on the inside and still be in bondage? Absolutely true. And that's something. So we got to get to the place where we want God to do something. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations, here they are, everyone's bonds get broken open. I love it. All the doors fly open, the bonds break off. In this case, he breaks the bonds that hold all the captives, not just Paul and Silas, but all the captives. See, you're being set free will be the key to those connected to you being set free. One of the results of a transformed life is that others are led to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what's about to happen here. The love of Christ compels us to point others to Jesus. Your life must testify the goodness of God. That's why I asked him to sing that, goodness of God, this morning. Your life needs to testify the goodness of God, whom you serve. In, in 1735 or 1835, John and Charles Wesley were on their way to America as Anglican missionaries. And a group of Moravians, immigrants from Germany, were on the ship with them. When all of a sudden, when they're out, a terrible storm develops and they're in danger of shipwreck. The Moravians were in the midst of a worship service, praising God with much intensity. Wesley was terrified. And he wrote in his diary, in the midst of the psalm with, uh, wherewith the service began, the sea broke over the side of the ship, split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured in between the decks as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. And a great scream came from the Americans among the English. The Germans, they calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, were you not afraid? He answered, thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. Listen, they kept praising God. The storm was boisterous, but the Moravians kept praising God. Finally, the storm subsided, and it affected John Wesley so much that he went and found the bishop, and he said, I need to have what you have. You see, the storm was raging. The main mass is broken, these people are praising God. They're locked in on God. Can you say amen? And some of us, we're gonna get knocked off our horses every now and then. So these people were listening intently, these prisoners. They're listening intently. And that means they're so focused on Paul and Silas. They're waiting to see how they're gonna to react to the circumstances they now face. And it's a reminder to all of us as believers that the world is watching us when we suffer and according to how we react, we'll determine whether or not they're gonna receive Jesus. How we as believers respond to our troubles can play a major role in how others respond to the Savior. And I want you to know Jesus came to set the captives free. Can you say amen? That's, that's, what, that's who Jesus is, and that's what he does. He sets captives free so that you and I, so that you and I can move forward and so that you and I can share the goodness of God, living the goodness of God out loud. That brings me to point number three. 
Point number three, faith releases salvation. See, wherever there's faith, salvation is gonna be released. It's gonna happen. Why? Or at least the opportunity to be saved is gonna happen. Not everybody's gonna receive. Just like this morning, right now in this house, there may be some of you who've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but I want you to know that right now, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He's beckoning you to come on, all right? And look at this in Acts 16, 29. After the jailer came out, saw all the doors were open, he's gonna fall on his sword and kill himself. And the jailer, uh, Paul said, don't do it, for we're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The greatest words we'll ever hear. What would happen if your neighbor asked you that? What would happen if a coworker asked you that? Could you lead them to Jesus? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. Everybody say, believe. And you will be what? Saved. You and what? Isn't that amazing? God has set this thing up. He brought them out. And now he wants to, to, to bring salvation. Not only, now look at this. Two men praying and praising God and everybody's bonds and the prison doors are broke open. The jailer wants salvation, but it's not just him. Now it's gonna be his whole household. Do you see how God works? It's his whole household. Man, I love it. I remember one time I, I was at a prayer meeting and there was a man and his wife and they had three, three children and uh, they were sitting there and uh, I remember that uh, during the, while this thing is going on, the Lord said, go ask him, go ask him. Just on the inside, I'm not hearing no audible voice. So I finally got up, walked over and I said, sir, I said, uh, I see you're just kind of sitting here. I said, uh, have you been born again? See, that's what the Lord wanted me to ask him. And he looked at me and he said, no, I haven't. And so I took a couple of minutes and shared Jesus with him. Well, while I'm sharing Jesus with him, I didn't realize this, but his wife and his children had gathered around. And so uh, when I got done sharing Jesus, I said, now you can receive Jesus if you'd like to pray to receive Jesus. I wanna lead you to Jesus. I wanna lead you in that prayer. And that man said, I want him. And then the wife said, me too. And then the kid said, us too. And so all five of them, I, I prayed with them. They received Jesus and got filled with the Holy Ghost. All because, why? Because we were in the atmosphere of prayer and praise. And I can tell you there was no band playing that day. But we got melody in our heart. Can you say amen? amen. See, the jailer believes they've all escaped and now he's fixing to get the greatest thing that's ever happened and that is salvation. Listen to this. A survey that was recently taken found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. Now, how many of y'all believe that's a low probability? 3.5%. But thank God for that, amen? And thank God for that child that gives their heart to Jesus. But look at this. If the mother's the first to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. How many of y'all know that's a better odd? All right? It's better. That's better than a lottery. All right, so anyway, I'll leave that alone. 
However, look at this. When the father is first, there's a 93% probability everyone in the household will follow. How many of you know dad is the trigger point to salvation in a home? I remember years ago, my, my brother and his wife, Cecilia, they had just recently been born again. And had two children. One of them was born with a genetic disorder. And they told them, he said, she's not going to live a long time. I think, what was it, 12? The oldest one had grown. She had mucopolysaccharides disease. It's like, I don't know, one in several hundred million that gets it. So they don't do a lot of research on it and stuff like that. So when she was three or three and a half, she died. My brother, and, my brother and his wife were new Christians. But they had gotten it into their heart. They had started getting the word in their life. They had gotten it in their heart. And I want you to know that because of the way they handled it. Because of how they gave God glory. And you know, losing a child is a very hard thing. But because of the way they handled it, my aunt and several others during the funeral service gave their hearts to Jesus. The world is watching and they want to know what you're going to do. Can you say amen? amen? Because what you do sets the stage for them to receive. And lastly, faith releases wisdom and justice. The great thing about this is simply this. Paul and Silas, when, they, when, they, when this happened, the jailer had taken them home, cleaned them up, brought them back, the jailer said, hey, they've said you can go. Just sneak out the back door and go. Paul says, no, that ain't happening. They've beaten us publicly uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison and they do not throw us out secretly. And do they not throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. Why is that important? Because Paul's witness and testimony has been tarnished by them putting them in prison. And the wisdom of God is at play so that God's justice goes to work. And all of a sudden, Paul says, no, you tell them, the same way we came in, the same way they're going to take us out. Because in doing that, Paul and Silas are vindicated in the eyes of the people, and now they can preach the gospel. God is not a secret God. I realize his secrets belong to the righteous, but listen, when God moves in the earth, people know it. And so Paul said, no, you take us out the same way you brought us in. And because of it, great things happen. See, that's where we've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And then the great thing about it is, look at this. I think I have Acts 16. Do I have 40? Yeah. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, the seller of purple. Anybody remember her? Her and her household got saved. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. What did Paul do? They went to the brothers and they shared their story. Every one of you sitting in here have a story to share. You've all experienced the goodness of God. And you've got a story to tell your neighbor. Say, oh, pastor, mine's not like so-and-so. His was so glorious. Listen, we don't glorify sin in what we're doing. And it doesn't really matter what you came out of. Just share the fact that you came out of it and Jesus has redeemed you and made you a new person. You know, I, I always told my church, 
people come around, they wear these things, you know, shirts say I'm a Christian, the hat, you know, I'm like, if you have to wear that for people to know you're a Christian, you might need another dose. Are y'all with me? People need to see it by the way we live, by what comes out of our mouth. Can you say amen? Because then God is glorified. And God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to show up and do great things. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the word that's alive and powerful. Thank you for every person here. Thank you, Lord, for those that are watching online. Thank you, Lord, for our Austin P campus. Thank you that right here, they're hearing the engrafted word, which has the power to change their life and destiny. And I thank you now, they're going to become doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up with me real quick? Would you please just stand up? Hallelujah. Can we just take 30 seconds? I don't want us to clap our hands. If you want to raise your hands, you can do it. But will you just take 30 seconds and let's praise God for his goodness in our life. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're a big God. You've delivered me from all of my trouble. I'm so grace, grateful, Father. So, so thankful for what you've done. You've set my wife free. You've set my sons free. Father, you've set my grandchildren free. I thank you right now, Lord God, that my friends are being set free. Thank you now, Father God, that Lord, you're empowering us to overcome in this life. Thank you that we live above sin and not beneath, Father, by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. I'm so thankful, Lord, for your work in our life. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name.